really need to get together and let our voices be heard. This is Buffalo What's Next. I'm Jay Moran. I'm Bridget Jaipal Valenza. I'm Dave Debo. And I'm Thomas O'Neill White. After May 14th, how can we afford not to talk about race? About education, about segregation, about humanity. Since the dawn of this nation, racial violence has existed. The way we have designed our society has a big hand in what occurred in that Topps market. The suburban area everywhere, we must work and teach our children. We need to make sure that we put more funding in our programs that help prevent gun violence and more money into art. If we're going to have some real healing, we've got to have space to tell some uncomfortable truths. And good morning. Welcome to Buffalo What's Next on WBFO. Thanks very much for joining us uh, this morning. As uh, coming up later in the program, we're going to talk with members of the Wakanda Alliance here in Buffalo. We'll get into that later on. Right now, though, we welcome uh, to our studios Victoria Perez. Uh, Victoria has a lot on her plate and a lot on her resume, and we're going to get into all that. Victoria, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Yes, very good. Um, So... Uh, first and foremost, I want to talk about your job at Shays, where you are the Interim Director of Arts, Engagement, and Education. Engagement at Shays, so that, that has a, an interesting term to it, because obviously when we think of Shays, we think of a lot of things. We think of the big plays that come in there. But I would think that this particular role is something a, a little different. Yeah, it's a it's a new department. I think the department um, has been there for maybe four or five years. Uh, And engagement just means making sure that the community is involved. Okay. Right? Making sure that um, even the the community within the neighborhood of Shays, right? Really? Because a lot of the the engagement has always been, you know, the patrons, Uh, the subscribers coming in, right? Mm -hmm. And it's usually people from not the neighborhood. Right. Not downtown Buffalo. So making sure for me, I think the goals are always making sure that the Buffalo Public Schools are involved, making sure that the community organizations within Buffalo are involved so that um, the kids, the younger people have arts access, right? Um, Unfortunately, there isn't a lot of arts access when it comes to Buffalo, Okay. right? Um, So it's making sure that we are programming a lot of things that bring the community in or that we go out into the community because um, historically Shays or places like Shays aren't places that people, for me, brown and black people, go to, right? They're not places that we think, oh, that's that place is there for me. Why do you think that is? I just, well, I think a lot of it is, you know, systemic. Sure. A lot of it is done on purpose, unfortunately, right? Um, historically, and then I think it's not something that is ingrained in our culture. And when I say our, I'm going to speak about me, right? Okay. Uh, a Puerto Rican woman uh, living in the diaspora, right? Born in Puerto Rico, have been here for a while. Um, it's just not something that um, that have that we've had access to. Sure, it's not something that's within our culture, right? When it comes to art and our culture, there's a lot of Music and dancing, right? Right. Theater is something completely different, and it's something that's completely foreign. Um, why is that? That's a whole different conversation, right? I okay. think there's many different factors. But I think that our goal as a department is to make sure that we do provide 
that opportunity, right? Um, be it coming to us or us going where where they go to, where the community goes to, and eventually. But it's, you know, all of that is relationship building. Right. Right? Eventually, they will come. Right. You're a product of uh, the Buffalo Public School System, mm-hmm. graduate of performing arts. Yep. So you definitely know that experience being a student coming through. And I would think at performing arts, there must have been a certain natural synergy when it came to you know, professional theater that would come to, to, to Buffalo. Well, what about to, for the other schools? That's part of what you have to set out to do to, to engage these kids. How do you go about doing that? Again, it always goes back to relationship. Okay, always goes back to who are the who are the teachers that really want that for the students, right? Finding that school that is just hungry, right? And how do you find that? You talk, you know. You talk to people. You you create uh, relationships. You really talk about the important things, right? To us is art, to art, to us is telling that story, to us is providing, you know, many different experiences to these kids. Like, um, for example, uh, we're working right now with a Sadida school, which is school 30, Buffalo Public School, a bilingual school. Um, and one of the teachers uh, contacted us about wanting to come see Aladdin, but not having enough funds okay. to see Aladdin. Right at Chase, um, and of course she comes to me, and I and I go to our development department at Chase. I say, "How can we help?" You know, and found some money, and were able to you know uh, put some money towards the total, and they came to see it, and they were, of course, you know, <laughs> all of the children are looking up at Chase, and they're just like, "Oh my God!" I heard a story of one of them going into the bathroom and saying, "This is bigger than my apartment." <laughs> <laughs> than my house, right? Um, and then, you know, because of that relationship, because that teacher came to me and said, my kids are really, you know, they really have this, this desire and I know the importance of theater. Because of that, I go straight to her whenever there's an opportunity, okay. right? Straight to her because I know that she understands the value of theater and I know that they're hungry for it. So now she's coming, she's bringing her kids to our on-school time performances. We do a junior theater celebration, which is um, from iTheatrics in New York in New York City. She's going to bring her kids to the theater celebration because they do do a musical in their elementary school every year. I think this is like their fourth or fifth year. So finding those schools that really understand the value and that have the desire to do it and then just you know, creating that relationship so that we're partners, right? It's a question I ask a lot of people from a lot of different parts of the arts community. But you're coming at it from the theater perspective. What is the value for those kids of theater and being exposed to theater? Uh, The value of story. You know, um, to me, story, if... I don't, I'm not sure that I believe in anything else, right? Mm-hmm. But I believe in story, right? The power of telling your story, the power of hearing other people's story and seeing yourself in that story, right? Um, you know, you speak of power. It's empowering, right, to, to work through. It's kind of like a different way of therapy, right? To work sure. through what it is that you've been through, to work through what it is that you want out of your life, um, 
but do it in in a way that you're having a shared experience, right? As a performer, but as an audience, you're having a shared experience with the people next to you, right? You're I'm interested in always going to see theater or telling a story that's transformational, right? You're going to laugh along the way, you might cry along the way, but it will transform, right? And the opposite is if I go see something and it doesn't transform me, I get upset. <laughs> <laughs> you want to you give names, Victoria? I want to <laughs> be transformed, right? I Because I value story right. so much that when, when something is put up on stage and I'm sitting there as an audience member and I'm not, I'm just like, you missed an opportunity to transform me, to help me evolve as a person, as an artist, as a woman, as a mother, as a wife. You know what I mean? I do. That's the power. And that's why I think artists are, you know, the most important because they hold that power. And with great power comes great responsibility. Great responsibility, of course. And and to that, there's that old advertisement, an educated consumer is our best customer. What about, like you said, for transformational moments— you are steeped in theater. You love theater. So you know the difference, right? You have a, a sense for Hopefully, yourself, yeah, well, yeah, or yeah. at least for yourself mm-hmm. and your own taste, mm-hmm. what is transformational and what is not. Let's go back to the young kid or whatever, or whomever that's coming in who may not have that experience, won't have that experience. Is there Are there things they need to know that can help them experience that transformational moment? They just need to be involved. In any way, in any way, you know, um, sometimes the word artist has like has a negative connotation. Yeah. Right. Um, and sometimes it's so far removed from what, you know, as a young person that it's, you know, I, I don't want anything to do with that. I don't even know what that is. Yeah. Right. So I think finding the art in everything you do, that's when I teach, I really try to because when the student is having a difficult time figuring out what is art. I try to get to know the students so that I can pinpoint moments of art in their life that they're doing naturally. Really? Right? Oh, yeah. Can you get That's, any, any, that's take, the problem. Sure. I, I'm not an artist. Like, like if we're doing, um, I, I, did a, I did a program called um, Sing Your Story, right? And the very first question, we're all gathered in a circle because most of our work is done in a circle. Um, I say, all right, everyone, tell me, tell me what, uh, what was the question? What is story? And tell me a story that you love, that you grew up with, or just tell me a story about something that you know. And a lot of the kids had to just, these, these are teenagers. Um, I don't know. I really can't tell a story. Hmm. What, do you, what do you mean you can't tell a story? I don't know. I don't know how to do that. Okay, so what did you do this morning? I did this, I did that, I did that. Well, you just told me a story. (laughs) Right? Right. Right. So identifying those moments of, wait, you do do this. You just don't know that you do it. Right? Um, I think that's my job as as a theater educator is helping the student identify the assets that they come with. Because unfortunately, a lot of the education nowadays, it's about what are your deficits. Hmm. Right? But as artists... I mean, we we grab on to our assets because we're human beings. We're born with assets, right? Little by little, they start being stripped away, right? Um, So that's how we find those moments of art because they don't know. So when they come in and they're like, "I I don't know. I don't know why I'm here. 
I want to do this, but I really don't know how I'm going to do it or what I have to do. Okay, let me get to know you. And it goes back to relationship. And you see then those seeds take hold? Oh, my God. When you start to see the, the student just like, you know, have a brighter look in their eye, They're, they start to talk more, they start to tell you stories, right? And then, you know, you start, as the educator, you start connecting things with the student, or then the best part is when they start making connections, and it's all because of art, see? What about uh, for young Victoria Perez? When did that hit you? How did it hit you? That, that sense of story and that sense of the possibility of theater. Um, it hit me, and it, this wasn't, I only had the realization when I started to direct, right? When I started to direct, I was like, this feels easy to me, right? And then I started to reflect as, why does it feel easy, right? Um, because when you're studying acting, you have to study all these techniques and methods, and right? But and I how, never and how you guys get to, to and, know those words, right? It's <laughs> and, and that's story. that's a skill you got to right, learn all that right, stuff. Right. I never went to school for directing, yeah. but when I started to do it, it was like, why does this feel easy? And I realized that I've I've been directing <laughs> since I was a little girl, <laughs> learning English in in Buffalo. Uh, we did a lot of, um, what is that called? Um, play. You take a story and you say, okay, you, you're this part, you're that part, you're that part. Let's do it. I forget what it's role called playing. in school. Oh, not role playing. No. There's uh, a word for it, and I forget what it's called. But in uh, back then it was English as a second language. Now okay. it's English as a new language. Um, our ESL teacher would give us these plays, these stories breaking down, broken down into plays, and he would say, okay, Vicky, you play that part, you play. So as English language learners, we're reading the story in English. But I would immediately start telling people, well, what do you think about this? <laughs> and what is this character feeling? And this part of the story feels like it needs to be faster. I was doing that when I was 9, 10 years old. <laughs> so you're you're a natural it's the weirdest thing and then that's that's just the way i constantly saw story was me thinking how to heighten it was me commenting on oh i really love how that made me feel right me remembering those types of things that i was just like putting into my memory box uh and then using when i started getting opportunities to direct so then how do you or can you go about teaching directing to somebody else? Or is it, again, there is that, that talent that you obviously had? What do you mean? Like, oh, well, I mean, so, you know, you felt like, I mean, as you look back, you were 10, you were directing. Yeah. Others might want to direct. They think they want to direct, right? right. Everyone, wants to be, everyone wants to be a director. I, I think of film. I think of, like, Martin Scorsese or whatever. But we're thinking uh, theater. How do you teach somebody to direct? Can Or is it something that needs to just kind of be from inside? No, I think it's both. Uh, okay. I think it's both. I, I think even though I never studied directing, I learned from every director I've had. Okay. Right? Okay. Um, but, you know, that might just be um, I have that kind of way about life where I try to be a student in every situation I'm in. Right? Um, I've learned from directors what not to do and what to do. So I think it's both. I think it's understanding that you have a natural instinct to tell that story. 
Um, but you also need to be in, be a student and learn from other people or learn from yeah from other people being other directors or when you go and study it, so you learn it from your teachers. Victoria Perez is our guest this morning on Buffalo What's Next. We're going to take a break because there's a lot more to talk about when it comes to Victoria's resume and her work here in Buffalo as well, besides her work at Shays. We're looking forward to bringing that to you. That's coming up next on Buffalo What's Next, and this is WBFO. The next time you meet with your financial advisor, ask them about making a gift through your will for Buffalo Toronto Public Media. You may have the means to leave an inspired and lasting gift to the station while achieving benefits for your estate. For more information about leaving Buffalo Toronto Public Media in your will, contact Colleen Miller at 716-845-7031 or cmiller at wned.org. Thank you. WBFO is your home for trusted news about your community. And WBFO The Bridge connects music and community. Hear local music from bands like Pharaoh from Buffalo, Tedesco Knows Best from Niagara Falls, and Stress Dolls from Buffalo every day on WBFO The Bridge. Listen at WBFO 88.7 HD2 or WNED 94.5 HD2 or stream it from WBFOTheBridge.org or the WBFO The Bridge mobile app. This is Buffalo What's Next where we have conversations with the community about moving forward. To have your voice heard, press the Talk to Us button on the WBFO app, and we'll work to get your questions and comments on the air. Join us on Twitter at WBFO or email us at news at WBFO.org. Together, we'll have the conversations that are needed. This is WBFO, your NPR station. And welcome back to Buffalo What's Next. I'm Jay Moran, being joined uh, this morning by Victoria Perez. Now, we've talked about Victoria, her role as the Interim Director of Art Engagement and Education at Chase Performing Arts Center. And we might circle back to that, but another part of what we want to get into is your theater company, the Raices Theater Company here in Buffalo that you started. Yeah. What, a decade ago? Ten years ago. Ten years ago, uh, over at Rollless Traveled, I am an ensemble member at Rollless Traveled. And um, when I became an ensemble member, Scott Behrend said to all of us, okay, so now you're ensembles, ensemble members. Let me know what you want to do hmm. as artists. Okay. Right? And I took that to heart, and I said, I want to do a reading of plays in Spanish. I want to do a series of readings uh, plays in Spanish written by Latino, Hispanic, Latine writers. Uh, and he said, okay, sure, I'll host it. Uh, and that's Raices was born out of that Spanish reading series. Um, after that, the next season was when we decided to become a company. Okay. Um, and we produced one of the readings that we did the previous season. So our first reading was, our first production was at Rollis Traveled when they were at the Market Arcade. Okay. A long time one. ago. Yes. Ten years ago. Sure. Myself and Rolando Gomez uh, were co-founders of the company. Um, that was ten years ago at Rollis Traveled, and then we, we've been moving. Rollis Traveled moved. We went over to Ujima when they were at Theater Loft. Then they lost their space, so we had to move again. Mm -hmm. We went over to the Manny Freed Playhouse, where Subversive Theater was. We were there for a few seasons, I think about four seasons, uh, maybe five. And then we went 
to um, Rollers Travel. So we went back home to Rollers Travel, and now we're in residence there. Uh, your, you, your theater company serves, I, I would think, serves a, an underserved part of the, of the theater world, correct? Yes. Yeah, that's, that's the goal, and it's, it's the hardest thing to do. Right. We know that what we want is to put our stories forward. Right. Um, but as we were speaking previously, uh, theater is not something that's ingrained in the culture of um, the Latino, Latina, Latinx experience. So getting the audience to come to see the shows has been the hardest part of our company. Right. Um Getting, getting the audience to understand that this is for them. Um, it's hard. It's hard, but it's something that, you know, uh, we'll never give up on. Uh, we will struggle with forever, and I think every Latino, Latinx theater company does. Uh, but we understand that, that it's important, and we just keep doing it, right? You are, Like you said, it's a, maybe a struggle to get um, members of the community in that regard to come in, but theater, telling stories, it's not just for the people of that specific culture. Mm-mm, mm-mm. There's a lot to learn. Yeah. The goal the goal is always to be as culturally specific as possible, right? So specific that it becomes universal. I like that. Right. How do you go about doing that? Be, uh, <laughs> being very specific. Very specific. Right? Okay. We have to. I cannot. There's something called the um, explanatory comma, Right which means before, at the beginning of our history, we would be Raices Theater Company, a Latino theater company. I don't need to explain Latino, right? Our name is Raices. It's in there. The only reason why I'm explaining would be for the English speaker, right? So then I am catering to the English speaker. You understand that? Sure, yes. So take it out. I don't need to explain it. Our name is Raices. It's in there. It's in there. So I'm being culturally specific, but I'm also inviting everybody else in. Right. I'm not I don't need to explain it to you because you're going to come in and you're going to see what it is. Right. Can you take catering to ours, to our company? Sure. Right. Our people, our community, but also opening it up to everybody else, obviously. Can you take us through some of the specifics that people have seen through your productions? Um, I think (laughs) a lot of our themes are Latinos, Latines, Latinx in the diaspora, right? In la diaspora, which means people that come from other countries to the United States and live their lives here, right? That's a lot of our shows have that theme, okay. right? Of identity. Who am I? How has my life changed? How am I different? How am I not enough on both sides, right? It's living that hyphenated life, one foot there, one foot here. One foot in Puerto Rico for me, one foot in Buffalo, New York. So a lot of it has to do with that. So of course, there's a, I got I get a lot of questions. I can't go see your shows because they're all in Spanish. We've only done one Spanish production. Okay. In our ten year history, right? Most of our shows are in English, and then after that, it would be you know what we call Spanglish. Okay. Right. All right. Our language is a big part of who we are. Right. So being culturally specific, there's got to be Spanglish in there. Right. I never speak. Even speaking with you, I've said a few words in Spanish. Right. That's just my reality. Right. When we go home, usually there's a certain way our homes all look or there's something that every one of our homes has. 
right? Um, the way that we interact with our family members is very specific, right? Um, so making sure that the plays that are chosen when we do plays from national and international playwrights, uh, that they are culturally specific. And then when we write our plays, because we also um, we also have a lot of playwrights and we write and produce and design our own plays, making sure that they are showcasing the way we live life, right? But then there's a balance because it can't be all about that because we, we're all human. So human has to be first. Sure. Right? People has to be first. Story has to be first. But they're told through the lens of a Latine character or a Latine story. Right now, of course, you, you don't have a production underway. What this, one of the key elements of this particular program is trying to get that out there, that, that, that cultural element, the cultural lens as you just described it. So if we're looking for a playwright to perhaps read, not everybody reads plays, but some do, what are your, your suggestions? Um, there's many wonderful, wonderful playwrights out there. Of course, I have um, a very close friend of mine who, who is my artistic soulmate. His name is Marco Antonio Rodriguez. He is a Dominican York playwright, meaning he was born, you know, Dominican and and grew up in New York City. Uh, we have produced two of his plays, and I have directed about four or five of them. Um, and. If there's anyone out there that really embodies that whole cultural specificity, but not making it about the culture, making it about people, right? It's him. It's him. So if if anybody's looking for a play to read, it would be Marco Antonio Rodriguez. Um, I'm also in love with Karen Zacarias, a Mexican playwright. Um, we produce one of her plays, her, uh, Mariela in the Desert. Um, and again, it's that same culturally specific, right? But that's just a part of who the person is that isn't everything, that isn't what the play is about. Right. right? The play is about humanity. The play is about what these people are struggling with, how they are broken, and how they rise. Um, and, of course, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about your one-woman show, which, of course, you wrote. Yep, with my sister. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to... Islena. Islena, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Which means island girl. Okay. The story has some biographical, autobiographical? Oh, all of it. All of it's autobiographical. All of it, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. in this particular case, it talks about you going back to Puerto Rico. Yep. It's, um, it opens with me getting ready for my birthday, for my 40th birthday. And How many my... years from now is that going to take place? Okay. <laughs> That's nice. Very nice. I like what you did there. Unfortunately, it's in the past. <laughs> okay. Well, one of us shows it, one of us doesn't. So when I, let's, let's, let's carry on. <laughs> I like that, though. Yes. Yes, I wrote a show about the future. <laughs> Don't know what 40 is. Um, <laughs> in, the, in the play, my, my husband... Um, Surprises me with uh, a trip to Puerto Rico. Ah. And in packing for the trip, and he says, we got to go, we're leaving tonight. In packing for the trip to Puerto Rico, I start to unpack uh, ah. some traumatic events oh. that happened when I was in Puerto Rico, when I was growing up in Puerto Rico. Because you were born in Puerto Rico. Born in Puerto Many Rico. Many of your family members were born here. Yes. Right? But yes. You, you specifically were born in Puerto yep. Rico. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. Lived there only uh, young. Lived there only till I was nine years old. 
Um, so, you know, while she's unpacking, she's going through uh, many different memories, right? And we get introduced to her family members, her parents, her siblings. Um, and then, you know, why hasn't she ever gone back? Why has it taken 30 years to go back? And then we find out why, you know, some, some trauma happened. And she begins to speak to her inner child, right? Uh, and as soon as she's able to reconcile, then she's ready to leave. She's ready to go back home. Was it uh, therapeutic for you to oh produce that? Tell me about it. Look, yeah. I'm, I'm getting emotional just thinking about it because it was, I've never done therapy. I, we should all do therapy, though. Um, but I think I've never done therapy because I've always been in theater, right? right. And the rehearsal room becomes that therapeutic place. Um, oh, yeah, it was extremely therapeutic. And being able to do it with my sister was the safest way to do it. She understood what you were. She was there. Right. You know, she was there and all the characters. The one woman show, I became all the characters that I would speak about. Oh, right? okay. So every every character that I was becoming, she knew. I mean, at one point, I become her. So, you know, trying to figure out what are her gestures, what is her voice, what is her phrasing, what are the things that she would say uh, was so much fun, you know. To hear you talk about that actor's room, that therapeutic space where you where you and your colleagues, and we're not talking about the, the one-woman show here, but any of your other productions, what is that like to be in there with other actors who are, you know, the moments that you just had right here, I mean, must be happening with a certain amount of consistency when, when you're rehearsing and getting ready for shows. Yeah, yeah, it's that beautiful mixture between being raw, right, uh, but also being prepared, right? Because acting is a craft, right? Right, But you can't treat it as a craft unless your heart is open, right? Unless your mind is open so that you can access that emotional journey or that, um, or that technical journey when it comes to how do I get there, right? Uh, so the rehearsal room should have that mixture of here I am, I'm raw. I understand what this character is going through, but also the skill to to treat it as a craft, right? What are the things that I need to do? Because, you know, you need to memorize. You need to sure. be able to speak in a way in which you can be heard and understood. You got to be able to know how to move your body. You know, when actors are starting on stage, they don't know what to do with their limbs. All of a sudden, they forget hands, right? <laughs> so you have to be able to know how to move your body on the stage and know how to communicate and express with your body, not just your voice, right? Uh, so all of that is craft, but it has to be a mixture of both. So, and then you, when you're doing, um, you know, high emotion dramas, it, you have to be just like open, raw, in order to understand what that character is going through and in order to connect with your scene partner. Right. And the conversations that you have, trying to figure it out. I think you probably, in essence, just explained it, but that's you as the actor, you as the director. How do you get to Provide that? Provide the space to let them do it. Yeah? That's it. Get out of the way. Get out of the way. Provide them with information. For, for me, um, I'm very big into dramaturgy, right? The research, the contextual information. What's the, we're building a world here. 
right? So it's my job to provide all of that information, right? Provide the questions, right? Don't have any answers, even, even though you might have the answers, right? <laughs> right? But don't say your answers. Just provide the questions, information and questions, right? They have to figure it out because they're the actors. They're the ones that are on the stage. They're the ones that are interpreting, right? Um, I'm very big on playing, questions, world building. Let the actors do what they so beautifully do, right? But give them the, the space to do it. Figure it out. Uh, back to uh, talking about your, your one-woman show, Islena. What about uh, other family members? Uh, do they come to see it? What do they think? Um, all of the family. Most, well, most of the family came, um, and not a lot of them knew, right? The, uh, the trauma was sexual abuse. Oh, my. Yeah. Sorry. So um, not a lot, of, a lot of them knew, and it was... Uh, nerve-wracking, you know, afterwards to see them. And I was surprised when the energy, the look on their face was always, you survived. I thought it was going to be, oh, how dare you talk about that stuff on stage, right? Um, so it was a pleasant surprise for the majority of them were just like, my God. You survived in the power of theater. Our guest of this morning, of the next few minutes, Victoria Perez with us uh, this morning. Victoria with Shays is the Interim Director of Arts Engagement and Education and also the founder of the Raices Theater Company here in uh, Buffalo. Um, what's next for Raices? Uh, we will be, it's not, announced yet but we are we have chosen the play for our, our June slot over at Roles Traveled um, it's by that playwright that I told you about by Marco Antonio Rodriguez I'll keep the title to myself okay. because it's not official <laughs> yet but uh, very excited about it it'll be in June over at Roles Traveled all right, so yeah. we can we can wait on that. Oh, yeah. We don't have to yeah. get the um, get the uh, the scoop on that just yet. <laughs> uh, you know, we do get this. Uh, there's another question that seems to uh, come up a lot during this program, and this is uh, here we are now. We're talking to somebody who runs a theater company, works at one of the prominent cultural institutions here in the city of Buffalo, a city of Buffalo native. Yep. Though you were born in Puerto Rico, but your family chose to be here. What does Buffalo need? And let's maybe put it through the lens of the Puerto Rican community here in Buffalo. What does Buffalo need? Um, gosh, that's a loaded question. Sure. Um, of course, because I'm an artist and I'm a theater artist, I'm going to say more art, right? Um, but Buffalo, Buffalo, I mean, you know, there's that mural for a reason. Buffalo is a little secret, right? Right. There is art, here in Buffalo, um, but I think that when it comes to black and brown people, I think that um, I think that we need to continue because it's already being done. Obviously, continue the exploration of how how we tell stories, how we do art. I think that because of diasporic living, because of assimilation, we we want to tell art the way we're told we're supposed to tell art. Okay, do art. Right. And I really I really strive and I really I get excited thinking about the future where we realize um, 
that it's okay to do art in a different way, right? Just because it's the way it's been done doesn't mean it's the right way. Um, and I think that that comes from empowering ourselves as artists and starting really young, which is why I'm so passionate about education, right? Um, it's all, it's all, it'll be all in their hands. So that's why we have to get the young people access to the arts, give them, expose them to it as much art, let, start them thinking as artists. I, I, I mean, perfect world, every single person is an artist. Right. Right. So if anything, it's just more, more, more art, but not just the art that we're supposed to do. Right. Then the, the final question comes, and this one also comes up a lot. So you know Buffalo. You love Buffalo. You've shown it, right? You, you know, um, your family has shown it. But are you hopeful for what's next for Buffalo? And we, we talk about education. There are limitations when it comes to resources, of course. But are you hopeful for Buffalo? You have to be hopeful. You have to be because if you're not, why wake up in the morning, right? Yes, there's, there's the reality of all of the struggle, right, um, that, we're, that every single person is going through. But without hope, what do you have, right? But I, <laughs> I think that what, I mean, yeah, I, th I think hope has to be paired with, um, you know, a little bit of cynicism, <laughs> right? <laughs> reality check. Right, a little reality check, because if you just live in hope, then... Ay, Dios mío. Um, so <laughs> allowing those two things to coexist. But I do have hope. I have to. I have to. And, and again, art is the thing that leads to hope. Excellent. Victoria Perez, I uh, appreciate your uh, time with us this morning on Buffalo. Right What's back next? at you. Absolutely. This has been great. Uh, Victoria, if you can uh, check out her theater company, the Raices Theater Company, I'm going to spell it. It's R-A-I-C-E-S. Correct. Yeah, I can spell better than I yeah. can pronounce it. <laughs> I'm sorry. And also Victoria, as with Shays, is their Interim Director of Arts Education, uh, Engagement and Education. Uh, Victoria Perez, again, thanks for being with us. Thank you. Uh, this is Buffalo What's Next. Coming up next, we're going to take a visit to Buffalo's Wakanda Alliance. This is Buffalo What's Next on WBFO. There are a lot of great ways to spend $8 a month and get a blue check mark. So why not become a member of WBFO, your NPR station? You'll be a verified member on the spot, and your money will support high-quality news and information. For fun, we'll send you a snazzy window cling and a travel mug, both with our logo and the blue check mark that shows everyone you're a verified member of WBFO. Just call 1-877-456-8870 or go to WBFO.org to make your pledge. Thank you. PBS Kids fun and educational content is available wherever you are in Western New York, whenever you want. Live stream the channel at wned.org slash pbskids. And while you're there, you can play games, watch videos from your favorite shows like Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, Molly of Denali, and Alma's Way. And you'll find resources for parents and teachers. Visit wned.org slash pbskids today. This is Buffalo What's Next, where we have conversations with the community about moving forward. To have your voice heard, press the Talk to Us button on the WBFO app, and we'll work to get your questions and comments on the air. Join us on Twitter at WBFO or email us at news at WBFO.org. 
together we'll have the conversations that are needed. This is WBFO, your NPR station. Today on Buffalo What's Next, we go to the Delavan Grider Community Center. On a recent Saturday, the Afrofuturist group, the Wakanda Alliance, they also call themselves the Galactic Tribe, were holding their most recent discussion session. First, some background. After the release of the first Black Panther movie in 2018, the group's founders formed workshops and movie discussions to explore community ideas about blackness in the future. In November, the group arranged to have some 500 community members attend the release of the new film, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. So uh, why should people go see this movie? Um, it's good, definitely, definitely fun to watch. What, um, what does the movie mean to you? Hmm, that's a tough one. I did like how much fighting there was. Because that, that makes movies fun, doesn't it? Yeah. And it's a fun movie, right? Mm-hmm. Very fun. Why should everybody go see it? Because it definite, definitely opened my eyes a bit more to the Black Panther franchise. Justice Washington, one of the youngest to attend the session at Delavan Grider, but there was more, two-plus hours more, of lively discussion about the film's symbolism its characters, its narrative. About two dozen people participated in the session, the youngest who slept in her mother's arms, and there were a few teenagers, and about half were women. Two of us were white, the rest were black residents of Buffalo who had plenty to say. Why should people go see this movie? Uh, I think people should go see this movie because it is a powerful reflection of uh, the humanity of black and indigenous people. Um, I think it's visually stunning. I think it's really entertaining. I think there are a few problems with it, but I think overall it'll make you think. And I think a lot of you know, American culture is about just being totally entertained, but I think we all like it when we're entertained in a way that makes us think a little bit. Uh, and I think this movie you know, hits a really good sweet spot of being really entertaining, really rich with history and, and conversation you can have after it, and also it's just going to make everyone have their own kind of personal conversations with themselves about their history um, and, and where they sit in the world today. So I think that's why. So whether we're talking about um, engaging kids in STEM, right? That's the one thing I really, really love about um, Wakanda is it gives them um, positive role models. And it's like, here is what STEM could look like. And it's fun, right? Because when Sherry's, when she's doing all her STEM stuff, she's in heaven. She is like loving it. But kids, when they typically talk about science, they're not doing that. It's almost like they're going to the dentist every time they're talking about science. And it's like, no, it doesn't have to be that way. So it's almost like how can we cultivate uh, STEM learning environments that makes it feel like you're in her lab and you're just creating and you're asking your own questions and you're coming up with your own inventions. And how fun is that? And I think it would also increase I mean, because nationally we have a problem with not even just kids of color. American, no, no kids want to stay engaged in STEM. Like we're turning off all of our kids, right? So I think that the, the film pushes back against that and it shows us what it could be. Why should somebody go see this movie? Because it's dope. That's all I'm going to tell people. It's dope. Um, it's a movie that tells a great story. Um, you, you get to see a great adventure. 
Um, I think that people should see the movie because not only do you get a a story of you know these grand characters in this far off universe, you also kind of get to see some of the imagery behind it. You get to see the process of grieving, uh, you know, in the, in the black community, um, which is really important because I think that's something that's not emphasized enough. I think you get to see powerful, powerful uh, both black people and uh, indigenous people, which is something that we do need to see more of in, in media. Um, and you also get to see, uh, get to be there for a great narrative. That was Otis East, Jason Cathcart, Dr. Monica Miles, and John Washington. And we'll be hearing more from them later in the program, along with Darren Grant and Anthony Pierce, who led the discussion through the specifics of the story and many of its themes. One character who generated lively discussion was Riri, who was not in the first Black Panther film. Yeah, she is a young black genius, and she's, she's only 19 years old. That's still relatively young in our, in our society. And so for, the, for her to be on screen kind of spoke to the younger generations, because normally you're talking about adults who have been going through these adult situations and all this stuff. This girl's in college, and she's a genius, and she's got... You know, she's doing she's doing people's homework for money to get by because she can't, <laughs> you know. Um, but also she's had this narrative where her a genius has been exploited, too. So um, she's kind of progressed into this, this different type of role. Um, but also she added the humor and she gave a little bit of a heart to the character. And her, her hero name is Ironheart. So I think that uh, her being a, a representative of the youth for this film really brought a lot of joy to people and gave people things to, uh, to look forward to, especially with her being new to, to, more, to a lot of people. She's not like a, she doesn't have like a, as much of an established background as the other characters, and that's what made people excited. So um, the thing I really like about Riri is that she was so like relatable um, to kids here, right? Do, that have, um, especially that have enslaved ancestry, where um, kids that come from that demographics, we don't typically have, you know, strong um, role models, right? And especially young role models that are really interested in STEM. They don't have that, right? And so here she is. She's she's in style. She's hip. She's funny. Um, she dresses like the kids dress. And then here she is. She's the STEM genius. So Riri is the first, I feel, really accurate depiction of the current black youth in America. Um, being able to be both intelligent and still be tough and, and realistic. I think that was really important to capture on film because I don't think that we've captured that anytime. I can't think of any other thing that had that accurate of a depiction of what a smart black uh, youth would, would be. I, I haven't seen that anywhere. And I thought that was really important that they got her and they got her to be accurate to make her feel like she was somebody that you know you would see walking down the street um, instead of being some far off person that's so unobtainable she seemed i think that's what really what it, what it was like she was she felt like a thing that was obtainable for other people to do she was a, a role model for people to connect and aspire to while also being authentic to our culture uh, i really enjoyed her character in that way what do you got to say about riri uh no riri is one of my favorite characters so a lot of people don't know this but she was written by um hope i don't get this wrong but i think it's elaine ewing she was a um uh, Chicago teacher who ended up quitting uh, during the Chicago teacher strikes and a lot of that movement and decided to, to write stories and then uh, Marvel brought her in to to write this character uh, it wasn't you know it was a concept but I think she just really brings the black experience like the African-American experience into the movie in a really special way and then just having 
two of the top five smartest people in the Marvel Universe be two young black women, uh, Ree Williams and Shuri, and the relationship between the two, and how it speaks to, especially what we see a lot in Buffalo, is some of the tensions and some of also the, the love between um, you know, African-American, black African-American people uh, and African immigrants. Um, and just really, I like how the Black Panther deals with the diaspora that like not all black people are the same or raised the same or acculturated the same. And yet there still is this connection. And I think Riri um, really allowed the viewer to look at this through like, what would an American, what would an African-American experience all of these wild things that are going on? And then she really is just a statement about um, how much black girls are forgotten in superhero comic book and storytelling um, and, and, and how much our communities need female leadership and it also needs to be reflected through STEM and through the concept and the idea that young black women can be as intelligent as anyone in any field. Writers of Riri have, have really done the, a similar thing years later in giving a, a really powerful modern um, black woman's perspective on the world and also a story that challenges racism, that challenges some of the tropes about black women. There was also lengthy discussion and debate on the burial scene, the purple heart flower, colonialism, and more. At times, the mood was light and fun. Other moments, deep and serious. So our panel was asked to consider Wakanda, a mostly hidden nation of advanced genius and egalitarianism made of black people, and Buffalo, a heavily segregated city where the problems emerging from poverty are rampant. So I think that's actually a, that's a beautiful question to ask. And I think so often um, we were kind of told, like, you know, you get your education and then leave. Leave Buffalo. Leave. Right? And, you, and, you, and you see a lot of us have done that. I've left twice. <laughs> right? And I've come back. Right? And so I lived in Charlotte. And there's nothing, I don't have an issue with Charlotte, but then I wanted to come home. Right? I, um, I was living, I lived for two and a half years in Nashville. Do I have a problem with Nashville? Absolutely not. But I had this desire to be home. But then there's this conflicting message of go. Like, go out. Like, if you're going to do something with yourself, you got to go. Right? And I think that we have to reprogram ourselves and saying that how can we build and establish and develop where we are so that whatever the thing is we're trying to go to, right, we don't need, that, that urge is no longer there. That we're like, you know what, it, what is it about this space that I want to do something differently? And that's something I really, really love about the Galactic Tribe is they are like boots on the ground, you know, we, we, we see it, we believe it, we can think about it, and if we come together, we can make these things happen. And so all of that to say, I think that is the connection that I have from the movie to, like, what does it mean to be born and raised in Buffalo, you know, <laughs> you know, raising my kids here. What does it mean for me to say, okay, I'm not going to leave. I can go visit places, that's fine, but I don't necessarily need to uproot my whole family because there's an there's a there's a there's a cost and expense like not even just financial there's a you know a mental tax of just being away that um, I didn't fully get it until I did it and I was like oh I actually want to be able to go see my parents I actually want to see my friends I don't want to make a necessarily a new friend group I like my friend group right and so all of that to say I think Wakanda shows us that we can imagine it and if we work together we can build it and that's what I like about just coming from Buffalo and then um, also being in groups like the Galactic Tribe. Living in one of the most segregated cities in the United States 
but also with a lot of the things that being just transparent, a black Buffalonian who's grew up on the east side, seeing like even within the past few years and not necessarily getting into what happened in May 14th, how strong a lot of the communities of color, especially the black community, has gotten in the sense of, I guess, pride, seeing programs like Wakanda Alliance, um, so many of the people who are in the room today, all of them are members of the community, community members who are strong and are also very public. It shows, like, the movie in itself kind of has a reflection of when you're dealing with a marginalized group of people or, or ideally marginalized group of people, when they come together, the magic they can bring together. So, honestly, what I saw in Wakanda, I wish I saw more in Buffalo. Because in Wakanda, there's such an emphasis on the community and getting people together to both celebrate things, to discuss things, and to learn from things. I, I wish that was something that you saw more everywhere, honestly, because I, I feel like most people in, in life make the, the majority of their biggest decisions alone, and you don't necessarily have that feedback to really put your ideas out there and to see how they resonate with the rest of the world. Where in Wakanda, like, you know, you, know, you saw everybody outside for T'Challa's funeral, you saw everybody together for any major decisions that had to be made about the kingdom, and, and you saw them together in fights, you saw them together in happiness, and uh, I, I feel like that just you just need a, a general more togetherness for people in, in general, everywhere. Like, that's not a Buffalo thing, that's just a... Uh, uh, American thing I feel like we should need to do more of. Maybe South Buffalo and Buffalo. You know, how South Buffalo doesn't want certain people from Buffalo to be to come in their neighborhood. So I think that's what it is. Yeah. I think there's a little bit of Wakanda in every city that has a population of black people who want to do things, who want to do better for themselves. Um, Wakanda, although it is it's fictional, it's derivative of what our cultures have been throughout millennia and just seeing how our cultures have evolved. And the thing is, the, the thing we want the young kids to do is look at all these cultures and see that there's a lot that brings them together. There's a lot that makes them very unique, where one thing can't be next to another thing. You couldn't have, so for example in the movie, you have Mexican culture. You can't have that next to Puerto Rican culture because those are two different types of Latino, Hispanic, you know, environments and, and cultures. Um, so everything is special, but at the same time, the, the Puerto Ricans can get excited that Mexicans are getting their shine, you know, and only hope that they get the same shine with the superheroes and all that too. And so it's the same thing for people who are black, Caribbean, South American, African. We all can root to cheer each other on because we all know we come for something greater than what our enemies are trying to tell us. You know, there's a lot of devices out there to keep us separated, to keep us ignorant, to keep us fighting each other. But through movies like this, through films like this, we can expand the conversations and have the conversations we want to have because our stories are being told through this fictional narrative. And I think that that's special for Buffalo specifically um, because of the things that we go through. Um, with us being one of the highest crime rate cities in America, with us being one of the most racist cities in America. Well, I think Buffalo is uh, heavily exploited, right? And I think that Wakanda, Talokan, and the movie are ultimately about how exploitation, colonialism, and technology are slowly ripping us away from our history and from the parts of our history and culture that really held us together. Uh, I think that... Um, Buffalo is, is a city that has been forgotten and has, has all, in many ways refused to adapt 
to new technologies and new ideas. Um, and also it's incredibly racist. Um, and the infrastructure is racist and all the new shiny bells and whistles that are added onto it continue to reinforce uh, you know, this racist infrastructure. And I think that what you see in Wakanda is two groups of people who are trying to figure out how to hold and honor their people without harming other people um, and the struggle that that puts you through because of the way that the world sets us up to to harm each other, right, and, and not to build alliances and not to work through things together. And I don't want to spoil anything, but I think that, that the message of the movie is that within all the fighting, we have to find these moments of our own humanity where we say, this actually is not helping us get where we need to go. Um, and so I see that Buffalo having the ultimate potential of Wakanda, uh, that's why we have the Wakanda Alliance, um, but a lot of it being old thoughts, right, old ideas, old ways of surviving that are keeping us from the kind of imagination that will allow us to solve Buffalo's problem. And that's why, to me, Afrofuturism is, is a political ideology. It's not just like a hobby. It's we have to be thinking about we had a white past. We had a past that was dominated by whiteness. And I think one of the only ways to balance that out is a black and brown future uh, and a future that centers all of the people who've been disempowered being empowered. And I think Wakanda and Talokan give you snapshots of what that could look like and also an interesting story of, 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 of how this world would be reacting to those worlds. Um, and I think it allows us to go a little bit further in how we think about what Buffalo is. Uh, and my hope is that everybody who sees it can see what the resources and intelligence and culture and not just new technology, but technology that is also rooted in tradition could do for a place like Buffalo. Those are just some of the many thoughts and opinions during the two-plus-hour session at the Delavan Grider Community Center of the Wakanda Alliance. But the final word comes from the man they call DQ, Darren Grant, on the value of the group and these discussions. It's important. It's needed. Uh, it's a space for our people to be free and to be able to be creative without any judgment. And that's the most important thing that I wanted us to do. That's one of the reasons why we wanted to create this program is for young minds. And now it became an intergenerational program. So now you have parents and kids learning together, creating together, you know, like a family, which is beautiful. I don't think it's, there's nothing out there, out there like this. So I'm very happy, very pleased. And that is DQ. Darren Grant, one of the members of the Wakanda Alliance, and I want to uh, take a moment to thank everybody who uh, joined us for this conversation. Otis East, Jason Cathcart, Justice Washington, Dr. Monica M Miles, John Washington, and also Anthony Pierce and all the other members of the Wakanda Alliance who allowed us to come in with our recorder on that particular Saturday at the Delavan Grider Community Center to hear their discussion. And I encourage you to find out more by going to galactictribe.org. Our first guest this morning was Victoria Perez of Shays Buffalo, where she serves as their interim uh, director of art engagement and education. She is also the founder of the Raices Theater Company. You can find out more about their theater company by going to raicestheatercompany.com. That's R-A-I-C-E-S, Raices Theater Company.com. 
Well, this has been Buffalo What's Next. Thanks very much for joining us. And, of course, we're back here with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock right here on your NPR station in Western New York, WBFO and WBFO HD1 Buffalo, WOLN Olean, and WUBJ Jamestown.